0: Hello, friend, and welcome to the U Turn podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best selling author of the book U Turn Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, and Design Your Dream Career. I wrote the U Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week I bring you a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and In love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I have come to really trust with my wellness. They have zero THC, meaning you can't get high from their products. They're organically farmed and they're gluten-free. I love sleep, and when I don't get it, I feel like my entire day, my entire week, my entire life is thrown off. And during these times, of stress, I started taking Soul CBD's Sleepy Gummy before bed and I swear by them. Most nights all I need is a half of a gummy and these little babes have put my sleepless nights behind me with one delicious fruity bite. Their unique blend of CBD, CBN, and terpenes helps you fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and improve your overall quality of sleep. I always wake up refreshed. It's my new bedtime So our friends over at SoulCBD, I contacted them and I got a discount code for 15% off your order. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-TURN at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hello, U turn friends. It's Ash here. And today I have a really cool guest, Jen Ride. She is the host of the Vibrant Happy Women podcast. And it's for overwhelmed women who want to get off the hamster wheel and start making time for themselves without so much guilt so they can be more happy, more balanced, more heart centered in their lives. Um, And, you know, she's just really so amazing at helping you get that sparkle back. Her website is JenRideA.com, R-I-D-A-Y. And today I want to ask her about intuition, boundaries, and fulfillment, which we all know I've written a lot about in my book, U-Turn. And I always get really excited when I get to talk to someone who has their own take on these things, because I'm kind of always stewing in my own thoughts about fulfillment and intuition. So without further ado... Dr. Jen, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for
1: having me, Ashley. Yeah, uh, I'm curious. I know that you, I believe you're a mother of six. Did I read that right? (laughs) That's right. And I have to add, I don't drive a conversion van and I don't homeschool. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) assumes those all go together. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so you are no stranger to
0: work-life balance as a topic in your mind. Um, You have a really successful show. And I want to understand, like, what are some of the tools you've put in place or boundaries you've put in place? How do you define boundaries? How have you kept yourself sane with six kids and a business?
1: Uh, I didn't always keep myself sane. I got my PhD in human development and family studies when I, and I graduated with that PhD with two kids and then went on to be a stay-at-home mom. I did that because I didn't love the politics of academia and I knew I could do the best job for my kids. Well. I tried to do it too, so perfectly. I was baking bread and putting a lot of pressure on myself because I had this degree that eventually I burned myself out. So, six kids and in between all of them six miscarriages later somewhere along the way I decided I had to find a purpose outside of just being a mom. Not that that's a just, but I needed something more that was an identity piece for me other than being a mom. So, um Uh, long story short, I learned to start becoming clear on what I wanted. Mm. So many times moms just uh, think about what their kids need, their spouse needs, everyone else needs, and they lose total track of purpose and what they're meant to do, what their gifts and talents are, what feels good to them, how they want their eggs, like that line in the movie um, goes. So I got clear on that.
0: Mm. Okay. So, um, if you, tell someone they need to set boundaries. How do you define a boundary? What's the definition for you?
1: Okay. So everyone knows a boundary is kind of stating the rules of what you will and will not do in response to a situation or another person's behavior. A lot of people falsely believe it's getting other people to behave the way you want. That's not it. But I think if you take it a little deeper, um, it's understanding that you and you alone are 100% responsible for your thoughts your feelings, your actions, and your results in life. So if you're feeling miserable, like I was, it wasn't my kid's fault. It was because I wasn't having a boundary and being responsible for my thoughts, feelings, actions, and results in my life. And by the same token, we are not responsible for the thoughts, feelings, actions, and results of our spouse, our kids, of other people. It's truly owning that we are individuals responsible only for ourselves And when we come from that place, it's so much healthier, so much less emotional baggage, trying to be responsible for everyone else's outcomes when they're separate people. So Mm -hmm.
0: love this. Okay. And you, you use intuition a lot in your day-to-day life. I'm sure that's really powerful for your kids. How do you define intuition? What does it look like for you? And for anyone who's listening, how can we help them in getting started and honing that?
1: So I think everyone listening wants to fulfill a life purpose. I think we like to believe that there are lives we're meant to touch. I truly believe that. Each of us has a kind of a collection of experiences behind us that make us uniquely, perfectly qualified to touch certain lives on the planet. And we have this drive to achieve that purpose. The purpose might change. I I know your story. You've kind of changed your path several times, and that's important. Um, but to get clear on that, sometimes we have to pull back from the day to day and have a container, essentially holding space for ourselves to notice our feelings. Mm -hmm. So at the basic level, intuition is how we feel in the heart area. A lot of people meditate or do yoga, and that allows people to look inward to notice what they're feeling. Mm. Um, At at a higher level, some people might connect intuition to God or the universe or a higher self. I think however you look at it, however you believe, it's having clear enough boundaries to say, hey, at this time each day, I'm going to be intuitive and look inward. Maybe Uh that's meditation. Maybe that's journaling. Maybe that's prayer. Um, Or at this time of week, I'm going to spend an hour and be very self-reflective and Mm -hmm. notice Um, What am I feeling? What am I thinking? And during these reflection moments, it's super powerful to ask a question, a simple question, like, what is my next best step? What am I meant to be doing? Who could I help and serve this week, this month, this year? So it's a container where you step back and listen to your feelings and to your thoughts and get clear, get the clarity. Mm.
0: I love that idea. And we actually interviewed, um, I think his name was Ethan, the author of a book called chatter. And he was talking about one of the most powerful ways to kind of decide and lead yourself intuitively is to look at yourself as if you are observing yourself, like you are a third party watching you. And you kind of tell a story like, okay, Ashley's in a situation where X, Y, Z what's Ashley's best next step. What would you suggest that she does? You take yourself out of yourself and give advice to your life as if you're watching a movie and you're giving advice to a friend and it helps to have that distance. And so it's interesting when you talk about these questions, because I think they create distance from the feelings and they just put you in your own wisdom and some level of detachment. Um, I define intuition as knowing what you know, without knowing why you know it. Mm. Um, how do you, how would you define intuition?
1: You know, it's as simple as gut instinct, really. Um, a knowing really, yeah. with a capital k, yeah, knowing that you might attribute to a higher power or a knowing you might just attribute attribute to collective consciousness or yourself or your brains subconscious uh your subconscious mind that is always. Uh, processing so much. But yeah, knowing with a capital K would be my definition, (laughs) similar to yours.
0: Love that. Okay. And I know you have a few tools that you rely on when you're seeking clarity in your next steps of your life, your business. So one tool is probably asking those questions like you just did, like, what should I do next? What feels like the best case of action? Um, What are some other tools that you count on when you're feeling stuck or a bit foggy?
1: So. I guess my first uh, step really is going back to a morning ritual. And I've created an acronym for a simple one that takes just five minutes. So it's Be Her. I tend to work with women. If you're a guy and you don't identify as a her, you could do Be Here, add another letter to the end, Uh (laughs) like embrace someone. (laughs) But um, Be Here stands for breathe, exercise, hydrate, embody and read it's it's five simple steps and if you're hydrating and moving and embodying your best self maybe by saying an affirmation um and then reading something inspiring you kind of juice yourself up to i believe be more intuitive and then another tool i like to use another acronym sorry these are my only two acronyms Love them. <laughs> the acronym queen is bold meditation and it's simply um four things you do to simply meditate. If you're a beginner, it's really helpful. Breathe, observe your thoughts, feelings, and uh, sensations in your body. Uh, let go, which is the L, of any thoughts that don't serve you, any feelings not serving you. Maybe there's tension in your shoulders. Just let it go, and then D, dialogue, dialogue with you know the third person, like you talked about, or a higher power, or mm-hmm. your higher self. Um, mm-hmm. What's my next best step? Um, What do I need to clean up? What boundaries do I need? It's just asking questions.
0: Do you want to get hired into a top tech company or are you looking for interview prep help? Chances are, if you're anything like I used to be, your interview skills might be what's holding you back. And when you realize that only one out of every five job seekers who interview for a job get the job, you want to make sure your resume and your interview really stands out. And this is why I want to share that this week's episode of the U-Turn podcast is sponsored in part by our friends over at Karis.io. It's a coaching platform to help you ace your interview and get the job offer you've been looking for. And the team at Carus.io, it's C-A-R-R-U-S.io, is full of interview coaches from Amazon, Facebook, Google, Tesla, Spotify, Apple, and more who have helped hundreds of people land jobs at top tech companies, whether you're interviewing for entry level, mid-level, or a senior role. Their process is incredibly effective. It takes only three to four hours of focused interview prep in order for you to see big results and double your chances of getting hired. So head on over to carus.io and book your first session with a tech hiring manager for free. Again, that's C A R R U dot I-O. And your first call is free. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I heard a mentor once tell me if you want better relationships, you just ask better questions <laughs> and that includes the relationship with yourself. Right. Uh, okay. So you, let's talk about the be here or be her. You said B is for breathe. Is it just like deep breaths or is there a certain way that you breathe?
1: Any way that works for you is great. I love Wim Hof breathing. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've heard of Wim Hof. Yeah. Um, it's a breath hold method. It's a high oxygenate oxygenation method. Um, you can do four by four breathing, which is inhale four counts, hold four counts, exhale four counts, pause four counts. Um, some people like to do inhale for three, exhale for six. Um, there's also really fast uh pranayama yogic breathing where you actually alternate holding close one of your nostrils. I just say experiment. The point is you're oxygenating. And when you oxygenate, the same as when you hydrate, you feel a lot better. Um, Everything going on in your body, emotions and thoughts are energy and they need hydration (laughs) to work properly. So. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, and then you talked about the e which was exercise. Um in your experience as a mother of six, as a businesswoman, um what have you learned about exercise for yourself? Like for me, I've learned that I can't keep it up if I don't like it and the only exercise I've so far really liked is walking, so I walk 40 miles a week with my dog. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah. Well, not because I want to, but because I have to, because he's a 100 pound German Shepherd who is going to drive me nuts all day unless he gets mm-hmm. his walks in. So,
1: mm-hmm. what have I learned? I have tried everything. I've tried walking at night so I could save my precious morning clarity for work and other things. Uh, but what I've always come back to is my motivation is for me highest in the morning. So, I just have a solid morning routine where I exercise 15, 20 minutes. I have a I, I do a number of things, including yoga, um, some, <laughs> have you heard of the Egoscue method? No. Egoscue is interesting. It's he, the founder of the company is from California and he helps you get your body into total structural alignment with these various exercises is really powerful. Wow. Um, so I do that. Yeah. How do you Look spell it up? that? E-G-O-S-C-U-E. egoscu okay.
0: Okay, cool. And, um, the H for hydrating, you know, I feel like I need to do a whole podcast with somebody around hydration because I know how much ourselves need water. And if they don't get it, it's like, we have brain fog. We can't think, right. It's So interesting, you know, I'm surrounded by, I live in New York now, but when I was in LA, it's like being surrounded in the wellness space, you're just around so many people who are putting like green juice and this and that, all those things are awesome. But what's even more awesome is the basics, like get enough sleep, hydrate, exercise. You know, if you're not doing that stuff, Mm -hmm. you're just throwing some green juice on top of your okay, basic choices. You know, um, what was the second E you had said after exercise?
1: Embody. So embody could be a number of things. Um, Tony Robbins likes to teach that we have a triad. We have to address our physiology. There's the physiology of depression, which is contracted. There's the physiology of um, confidence, which is expanded. In fact, they've noticed in scientific research, if you lift your sternum and your chin just a bit, you've heard of power posing by Mm -hmm. Amy Cuddy. Mm -hmm. All of these um, changes in your physiology and your body Boost the, the testosterone and all the hormones responsible for feeling confidence. So much so that when they did pseudo fake job interviews in an experiment, those uh blind um researchers who were doing the job interviews who didn't realize it was a, an experiment were giving the jobs to people who had power posed for two minutes prior to the interview. So um starting your day physiologically powerful really helps you start the day. Well, that's just one part. If you add affirmations, like a dialogue with your mind, building neural pathways that support you thoughts like um, life is happening for me, not to me. I believe that. And I didn't always believe it. Another one, <laughs> I grew up on a farm, not loving vegetables. And I realized that was a problem once I got to college and saw other people eating more than canned not <laughs> peas or canned corn. Funny enough, I grew up on a farm and that's how we ate. But I trained myself through embodying who I wanted to be to love vegetables. I love vegetables so much. I get super excited about a salad now. What a change I created simply by trying to believe new things and practicing new beliefs every day. So that's what embody really means being Mm -hmm. the person you want to be practicing it every morning
0: you know it's so easy to believe life is happening for you when it's not really painful but when it's really painful you're like how could this possibly be happening for me what is a moment in time that you've had where you were like life is not happening for me yet
1: <laughs> oh my goodness so i married a man who is super smart in the old school diagnosis system he would have been labeled with asperger's probably mm-hmm. um Which means he's super smart, but not necessarily very skilled at emotional connection. He also has a trauma background um, with his mom, who is probably also on the spectrum. And so that was super painful for me to hold this image of what a marriage should look like Mm -hmm. and to see it wasn't going to happen. So I didn't feel like life was happening for me. But here on the other end of it, you know what that did for me? I had to learn how to a hundred percent be responsible for my own happiness, mm. my own feelings. I had to go find the connection I craved elsewhere. Not that I had an affair or something. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm still with him. <laughs> he's the father of our six kids. And I love a ton of things about him. I can ask him anything. And, uh, he's like a walking encyclopedia. That's better than Google. Uh, but, um, in terms of owning my happiness being with him forced that I couldn't rely on him to meet any of my emotional or spiritual or social needs in the way I wanted. So I guess it did happen for me, not to me, even Mm -hmm. though in the middle of it, I didn't feel that it was. Yeah.
0: Okay. And, um, I know one of the tools that you use is reframing facts. Can you explain what that means? And um, yes. because just for everybody listening, one of the tools that I use when it when shit hits the fan is that as someone who defaults to anxiety, I noticed that my mind will spin out and catastrophize and make it worse. And so one of the tools that I learned from dialectical behavioral therapy practices is called check the facts. So I don't know if this is the exact same as your facts, but it's about looking at what is actually true. So if something really bad happens to you, it's saying, How bad can this get? What's really the, what's the most realistic thing that's going to happen? What's the worst case of that thing that's going to happen? Really just taking a look at where you actually are and not the worst case scenario. But anyway, um, Dr. Jen, you tell me what's your relationship with reframing facts?
1: So I um, started a coach certification program a few years ago, and the main tool in the program is called the thought table. It's based on cognitive behavioral therapy. And the thought table, the way I teach it is um, there's a baseline mm-hmm. and there's an up level. So the baseline we go across, there's a fact and a fact is provable in a court of law, totally neutral. There's a thought, there's a feeling that results from that thought. Our feelings drive our actions and our actions yield our results. So facts, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. So, uh, when life feels really painful, we can yeah. look at that middle part of the thought table, the feeling, and say, Oh, I'm feeling super crappy when violated. I violated. Yeah, yeah, violated, yeah. um, sad, frustrated, worried, all of these things, um, resentful. And then you can back up and say, Okay, I know every feeling starts with a thought. It really does. And so I'll pause and I'll say, I'm feeling really sad. What, what happened? And then I'll remember, Oh, my son just told me he quit his job and it was like the, the seventh job he's quit because of, um, you know, same thing. He's on an autism spectrum like my mm-hmm. husband and really struggles. So that made me sad. Well, I'm thinking he should have a job or he's going to fail. There's a mm-hmm. thought reading that sadness and that when you up level it, you think about how do I want to feel? I want to feel calm. What do I need to think to feel calm about this. Well, he's going to learn something from this. I like that thought or life is happening for him, not to him. Whatever makes me feel better is the one I'm going to go with because when I feel better, I treat him better, interact with him more in our relationship. It's healthier. I get the, I,
0: I'll go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah. If, I mean, I get the idea that all of these thoughts are kind of made up. So we might as well pick winning ones mm-hmm. or I get stuck sometimes like, telling myself, like, am I being delusional by picking this thought? You know what I mean? Like, for example, I had a friend who got hit with a lawsuit and Mm -hmm. she didn't do anything wrong. It was one of those like ambulance chasing lawyers coming to get her kind of a thing for nothing. And those of you who don't understand lawsuits, which I really don't, but what I do know is that, um, you get hit with a suit and then you, um, they have to serve you papers. They have to find you. And then you either settle, which is cheaper to do usually, or you have to go to court and litigate. And, um, I just, and the litigation costs a lot of money. So even if you didn't do anything wrong, you have to pay a lot of money to a lawyer to prove that you didn't do anything wrong. So by the end of it, you're still out. Um, and what's so dark about, I think the system is that there's a lot of business owners out there where there's like, you know, toxic lawyers coming out, them abusing the legal system and. It's forcing a lot of business owners to pay money for settlements on things they really didn't do because they just want to avoid the higher cost of having to go to court to show them that they didn't do it. Yes. The point being, I had a friend in the situation, and I just thought, like, I have no trite sentences to hand off to her because this just fucking sucks. You know, she's mm-hmm. she's gonna get hit with a bunch of money. She works hard for her money. She has a family she supports. Um, how would you approach the situation? Cause I actually found myself speechless in that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's rare that I can't be like, but look at the positive thing, you know? No,
1: exactly. This is where I'd use a different tool, um, a tool I call feel it to heal it. It's essentially just allowing the, the emotions of it. So it really just has uh, four steps, um, decide what you're feeling. Where are you feeling it in your body? Mm-hmm. Give the feeling a name. I'm I'm would I'm frustrated, I'm furious, I'm enraged, I'm worried, whatever. Then you simply ask yourself questions about the sensations of that feeling. If this feeling were a color, what would it be? Mm. If this feeling had a texture, what would it be? If it was a weather pattern, what would it be? You Just stay with it and don't resist it. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't, you know, when we resist our emotions, um, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I, I, I hate being mad. This is they, they They tend to kind of expand and get a bit stuck. So allow it, and then finally it will pass through. Um, that's a really big situation. My only comparison is I had a my two oldest sons got um i I could feel shame about this, but I've given that up. My two oldest sons got involved in drugs in ways that were really unhealthy and it was a tough it was a four year thing uh, much like litigation would be and I started with total panic and worry that was paralyzing no one could have told me to up level my thoughts about that so I just had to feel it sometimes yeah. I would numb with Netflix but sometimes I would feel it
0: yeah. eventually
1: I made it through um what I gained from it was I'm fiercely strong <laughs> I can handle anything after mm-hmm. that so I guess that's the tool I would recommend. Yeah. It it isn't fair. And sometimes we need to feel the emotions of it and really follow and allow yeah. before we up level. But I think the day will come when she'll be able to look back and say, Well, here are two good things that came out of that. You know, who knows?
0: Did you know that 80% of the population, if not more, is deficient in magnesium? And that it is the number one mineral that you need to fight stress fatigue, and sleep issues. So with the summer season approaching, my schedule has gotten really hectic, and I noticed it was starting to wear me down, even if I'm getting my workouts in, sticking with my daily meditations, doing whatever I can do to keep my stress low, I find I can still feel like I'm stressed. And that's why I've become completely obsessed with the Magnesium Breakthrough product from Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one supplement. So when you can get all seven critical forms of magnesium. Pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your brain to your sleep, pain and inflammation, and even less stress. So with this one simple step, you can reverse magnesium deficiency in all of its forms. And I know since I started taking magnesium breakthrough, I noticed that my quality of sleep is better. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know, I'm pretty obsessed with my quality of sleep and I just wake up feeling more productive and overall less anxious. Throughout the day. So right now you can get 10% off with the special U-turn podcast coupon code when you visit magbreakthrough.com slash u turn. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com slash U-turn Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and you enter the code U-turn 10 uh, to get your discount. Once again, that's magbreakthrough.com slash U-turn and the code Y-O-U-T-U-R-N 10 to get your discount. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Well, you know, and I think that's the difference between keeling over and surrendering. Like keeling Mm -hmm. over is like denial or just pretending it's not there and, and pushing down your feelings versus truly surrendering, which looks like these are the feelings I'm having and I'm feeling them now. Um, this is the situation I'm in and I am allowing it to be what it is without me trying Mm -hmm. to control it now. And, um, on the note of your two, you said sons that had gone through drugs Mm -hmm. or addiction. I had a sister with addiction. It's a very, um, ended up, it ended up taking her life, but it, it's a Mm -hmm. very, uh, unspoken, topic. And one thing that I learned that you kind of touched on was you talked about Netflix and, you know, kind of numbing yourself. I like to call that conscious numbing, like choosing to do Yes. Yes, Um, (laughs) you know, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of going back to the field of dialectical behavioral therapy, I had studied it a bit when I was getting my master's in psych. And um, what I thought was interesting about it was that there is a certain point where, when your body is in shock or overwhelm or crisis, that distraction is a healthy course of action, Mm, that choosing something to distract you is actually a healing methodology. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to turn our eye to, you know, pushing things down or whatever. Remember that sometimes if something is just completely taken over your nervous system, you're using some of the tools that Dr. Jen is talking about. Maybe you do need a distraction. There was one time a while back where I just had a really shitty day and I'm a pretty optimistic person. So it's really not my vibe to get really hit by a day. Like usually by the end of the day, I've kind of moved on from whatever it was. And I couldn't. And I remember my therapist was like, you know, Ashley, like going on a date or two this weekend, isn't a bad distraction for you. Like Mm -hmm. you, and it's true when I'm on a date, I'm like literally not thinking of anything, but like the questions they're asking me. And I never would have thought going on a date to be like a healthy distraction. I feel like but sometimes these are things. So it's like finding that balance between surrender and feeling and distraction. Um, when your nervous system is kicked up. Okay. So another thing I want to ask you about is criticism, Okay, how to handle and face it. <laughs> I know you talk a lot about this in your podcast. Um, I have a family member where she has a lot of trauma from her upbringing and who doesn't, we all have it. So she, and it really shows up around criticism. If she gets feedback about anything, not even criticism, just like feedback, it it turns into her melting down, crying, and we all need to hold space for her. And then the whole wow. thing becomes about her having a meltdown, mm-hmm. and nobody got her on their feedback, or like there's so much more damage that happens after her crying meltdown that it's just a mess. And so, I know a lot of people you know, we'll shut down when we get feedback. We'll get offended when we get feedback. It's so hard to just like put your chest out there and be like, hit
1: me feedback. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So what would you suggest? Well, two things come to mind. First is John Gottman. Um, He taught about four horsemen of the apocalypse that are extremely destructive in relationships. He studied it in terms of marriage, but it applies in all relationships. And those are criticism. But defensiveness is on the other side, isn't that interesting? She's Mm. engaging in one of them, then contempt and stonewalling. Mm. So so that comes to mind. Um, She probably could benefit from learning that she's being defensive. I don't know how you teach that. Yeah. Um, The other thing is simply um, being able to have healthy um, response to what is emotional abuse. In a funny way, she's engaging in a form of emotional abuse because she's not receiving feedback. Yeah. Um, So. Having been on the receiving end of criticism, my husband speaks very clearly his mind because he doesn't soften things. So I had to learn to get tough, but, um, being able to say when someone's so critical, Hey, you're criticizing me, just label it. If you don't want to hear it, Hey, you're criticizing me. I'm not open to that. So that's the boundary side, but, um, I guess with her, are you asking how should you handle it or how should she handle it?
0: (laughs) I think I was just kind of pointing out like these dynamics that can exist when somebody is getting criticism, like the meltdowns and the directions it can go. So for you personally, I like that tool you just gave of like, Hey, I'm not down for criticism or whatever. I'm not open to criticism. I'm open to constructive feedback, you know, like tell me how I can be better. Um, what are some other ways you handle criticism if you don't go that route of saying, Hey, I'm not open to this.
1: Um, along the lines of criticism, I just want to address, you know, there are, we, we are not always clear on what emotional abuse is, but criticism is a piece of emotional abuse. Um, so is name calling, trying to control, um, threatening, intimidating, loud voices, anything that makes you feel emotionally unsafe. You don't have to be around it. That's where that boundary comes back. Here's how I want to feel. Here's what I'll do in response. So, for me, I'll say, oh, hey, you're yelling. That makes me feel emotionally unsafe. I'm going to leave the room. Even my daughter, who's 12, she she's on the spectrum as well. We have a lot of fun in our home. Can you tell? <laughs> She'll just shriek out randomly, mom, where's my iPad? And I'll just keep teaching her. I'll say, Jane, that loud voice made my cortisol jump. I felt emotionally unsafe. If you keep your voice quieter, I can feel calmer. We'll all feel happier here. I just keep um, teaching and responding in that way. so, um, does that kind of answer your question? Just yeah, having clarity of what you want to feel, yeah, and recognizing your emotional safety is important. Mm-hmm. And um maybe with with the person you're talking about, was it your cousin or sister? just a distant
0: relative honestly. Oh, a distant re- relative. And people were talking about it at the reunion, and I saw it happen in real time. I was like,
1: Whoa, that's a whole thing. My boundary around that is... I don't really interact with delicate people. I don't have time for that. (laughs) So I wouldn't say anything to her. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, there's probably people you're close to like in life where their reaction is just a nightmare and it's like, how do we handle this?
1: Oh, well, yes. My, my, my family, we have a lot of mental health things going on. The autism is one thing, ADHD, there's anxiety. It all kind of goes together when you're overstimulated being on the autism spectrum. It is take a breath. I have my space. I have, um, my husband and I have separate bedrooms, even though we don't, we do interact sexually. Okay. (laughs) But we need spaces. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) We need to feel emotionally safe and have a space. I think kids need that. So I'll just retreat to my space. I have a key code door lock that nobody knows except my husband. And he knows not to type it in unless I ask him to, And um, that sounds extreme, but I need to feel emotionally safe to be able to handle all the emotions going on in our home and keep trying to teach people how to regulate themselves, you know? So I have to regulate first to be able to help others do it. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: I just had a podcast interview. Um I think it was Dr. Sam Rader. We talked about her work which is called Source Code and it talks about different traumas that we experience as infants and toddlers and how that translates into who we are as adults and it was just so fascinating to really take a look at how you know it's, it's amazing that you're so focused on regulating your environment with everyone because you know at when we have parents that are dysregulated the amount of behaviors that we develop bec- in response to that and that we you know can't blame them for because it now it's our behavior it's just astronomical so um okay and you also talked about shoulds uh a lot in your podcast when i listened um can you talk to me a little bit about like what message you have for anyone around should and the feeling of should, because, you know, I think discipline is kind of a key for freedom, but there's a lot of like should sometimes in, in the things we want to do to, to be disciplined. So I don't know any feedback there.
1: It's so interesting. Um, there's so many areas of shoulds. I don't even know where to start, but a lot of us think we should work at least 40 hours a week. Well, I have six kids. I've decided no way I I should work and want to work 20 to 25 hours a week. And at first I kind of thought, is this possible? But the more I do it, the more I stay disciplined, like you mentioned, toward my desired outcome here with the hours, I'm absolutely allowing my business to thrive working that many hours because that's just the container I've created for myself. I couldn't have had that experience by just abandoning all those shoulds out there. That's just one example. Another one is spouses should share the same bed. That didn't work for us at all. We need space. We're both light sleepers. We're super happy. So I get a kind of a thrill at this point by identifying the should and living contrary to it to show other people what's possible. Who says, who says my kids should, um, have a certain clothing style, they kind of look alternative. That's cool. Who says, so I really walk around saying who says it should be that way. So I like it. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I know that you have over 500 episodes of your show. So you've been at this for a while and I'm curious to know, um, what are some of the biggest things you've learned interviewing so many people and having so many conversations around vibrant happiness? Um, What are like a few fun facts or just like reflections that you have from your
1: show? (laughs) Um, A fun fact. I won't say names, but I interviewed a really big person. She told me as soon as we got on the episode, she said, this is my 937th podcast interview. Let's move it along. And she was incredibly rude and not present. And I was so surprised to see the behind the scenes of this person who's essentially A meditation guru. (laughs) So that's the one extreme. The other extreme is I quickly realized, even though we're in different states, often different countries, um, for me, there's deep energetic and spiritual connection. I'll sometimes get goosebumps just sharing the mic with someone, even if I don't have the camera on. um, I think we're all very connected in ways we can't even fathom yet, energetically, spiritually. Um, that's my woo things. Um, I love people I've learned. I'm a, I'm a great listener and, um, I love it. I love talking and listening. So,
0: Mm. Mm. okay. Well, uh, where can everyone find you other than the vibrant, happy podcast, uh, vibrant, happy women podcast, um, where else would you love for people to go if they want to learn more?
1: Sure jenriday.com you can learn more about the vibrant happy women club where we work on all these tools i've talked about on the show um also you can see more about the coach certification there if you want to be able to teach these tools to other people um they've been really powerful for me with my kids very much so so Mm yeah
0: thank you thanks again for coming on
1: yeah thanks ashley